recording this uh, on the heels of finding out that the Lakers are uh, letting Mo Bamba walk and they are letting Malik Beasley walk, thus signaling that they are going to go the path of the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, if not cap space. That is also now on the table as well. Let's discuss. As I said yesterday on the show, this was not the path that I was hoping they would go down. Um, it, it Look, maybe they wind up with Bruce Brown. Maybe it's Dante DiVincenzo, maybe it, who they haven't been linked to quite yet to this point. Um, maybe, and, and now look, this is also kind of a shift. I was, you know, under the, I won't say understanding, um, but I had thought, heading into today that the Lakers were going to pick up those options or, or, or bring back those guys to be used as uh, trade chips later in the season. They may have heard something about Brown to give them a little bit more confidence, though uh, from kind of league whispers, it doesn't sound... Um, I'm not as confident in that as I would like to be. Again, these things change all the time. We just also heard from Tim McMahon of ESPN that Bruce Brown is now planning to meet with the Dallas Mavericks um, when free agency opens as well. So, yeah, this is, um, like I said yesterday, this is certainly a viable path forward. And there are good outcomes to this path if this is what the Lakers elect to do. But there is risk involved here. There's There's risk involved everywhere. But in my opinion, this is the riskier path forward because you're hoping to rely on free agency when you have a max at what you can offer that might get beaten out by some other team. Um, you know, being able to offer Bruce Brown more than the non-taxpayer mid-level. You're hoping that he doesn't decide that the five-ish million dollars difference that he would make with you next year isn't worth leaving Denver where uh, he could get a bigger offer next year. Um, you, it's just, you know, there's there's risk here. And, and, you know, the difference with this path forward versus, say, keeping those guys is that, you know, you keep powder dry and you allow more flexibility for yourself because you're, you, you know, there's more money on your books that, that offers more margin for error here or, more margin for somebody just making a decision that you didn't um, anticipate, right? Uh, and by the way, like I said yesterday in, in the lowdown or last night in the lowdown, um, the Lakers have had confidence before in a free agent only to find out that Kawhi would, was, was more interested and was working behind the scenes to you know get the Clippers to trade for Paul George and then eventually sign across the hallway. So... Um, yeah, I, I, I get it. Um, there's a lot going on with this decision, but I do think it's worth kind of starting with what this kind of means in terms of the risk that's involved now moving forward. Now, the benefit to this, right? And, and you know, I guess I could have started with the benefit. I, I start with the risk because that's the way that my brain works. But the benefit here is that you know, the Lakers do have more financial flexibility right off the bat this year and can bring in a better player that doesn't rely on a market 
correcting itself, a market, by the way, that is at a complete standstill. It is unbelievable that teams that have like those, those, you know, expirings in the teens are not able to move them. It, it, this is just, it is wild. Everybody is terrified of the CBA. Um, the price of, of first round picks has gone way up. And these conversations, these trade conversations are just not productive right now. So look, uh, the, the, the benefit to this is that, you know, you aren't sitting here hoping that eventually that market, uh, you know, figures itself out. Um, and because this is such a starkly different CBA than anything in sports that we have really seen there's a decent chance here that the market doesn't figure itself out that this is just the new market and that because teams are so terrified of of that second apron and everything that it entails that we're just sitting here and and you know trades with first round picks for or picks in general for non stars just don't happen as often anymore and remember, the Lakers have been trying to make trades basically since the night of the draft, right? They, the, the thinking going in was that the Lakers were going to be able to take a player for another team, combine them with uh, Beasley and or Bamba's contract and bring in an impact player. But that wasn't able to come to fruition. Um, they are, from, from what I've been told, extremely high on that 29 pick um, because that would that would convey after potentially LeBron and AD are gone. Uh, well, not potentially, probably. Uh, when, when those guys are gone, and if they move that, it would be for a legitimate haul. And um, if, <laughs> if, if the league doesn't see it that way, or if they're trying to take advantage of, of the Lakers as they're kind of leveraged out here, then, you know, again, the, the market is just so uh, out of whack right now that... Maybe the Lakers got that intel. Maybe they looked around at how difficult it's been to move those contracts right now and just said, you know what? Screw it. We'll work with something that we have a little bit more control over, and that is our ability to convince free agents to come here, which, by the way, is why Rob Polinka was brought in in the first place, right? So, um, yeah, the, the, like I said, uh, and, and how I've said all along, um, I had a preferred route forward here. Um, because I just think that in professional sports, keeping as much money on your books that you can move gives you the most margin for error. But I also understand this path forward too. Um, and and you know, it's, I'm not going to slam them for making this decision. I am going to point out some stuff that is worth pointing out. But I'm not. I, this isn't a decision. These aren't a couple decisions that I would like slam them over. Basketball-wise, what this means is the Lakers... Look, Beasley's spot was hard to pinpoint in the rotation this year, right? You have Austin who's going to start. You have Max Christie that you know that they want to play. If they do bring bring in a Bruce Brown, he's probably going to start. Um, You have D'Angelo Russell, who they uh, see as either a starter or a six-man type player. They do want to also bring back... Um, Dennis Schroeder, and potentially also Lonnie Walker. So that's a shit ton of guards, and that's really difficult to find minutes there for Malik Beasley, if that is, you know, how all of this kind of plays out. But, um, you know, for for the sake of uh, Bamba, however, or in the case of Bamba, um, that is different because he 
when you look at the, the the free agent market as it pertains to bigs, he's one of the better ones out there. That that in, in, I take that back. He's one of the better theories out there. He's one of the better theoretical players out there. He's a big body. He can space the floor. Um, he's young, and that's something that the Lakers have really prioritized. Um, now, it's also worth pointing out that, and I think I said it earlier, but if not, um, they do not have bird rights on Bamba. So if they bring him back, it's either at the minimum or they have to dip into one of their exceptions to bring him back. And they do have ex- uh, bird rights on um, on Beasley, but uh, you know the number that they're able to bring him back at is going to you know really depend on what he's willing to take. Um, you know, yeah, he could give himself a bigger payday than he would get otherwise uh, by staying with the Lakers and signing in it with a team that maintains your bird rights right. Uh, if he um, he could, however, look at the Lakers and say, "Screw you! You cost me." 10 million bucks with this decision, with this path forward. Um, I'm going to go test the market out there and restart if I have to. Uh, it's going to be interesting what kind of advice he gets there, um, but but we'll kind of see. Uh, now, back to um, Bamba, the center market, just it, it, it's not very um, enticing right now. Brooke Lopez is going to get paid um, beyond what the Lakers can offer him. The uh, same goes for, we already saw Kelly Olenek opt in to his deal. Um, so that's another free agent target off of the uh, list there that you could look at. Look at. Um, and then, you know, you have like Mason Plumley, who maybe fits into the biannual uh, exception, uh, maybe the mid-level exception, uh, you know, some of the, the mid-level money if the Lakers decide to split that up and use it, you know, for two players. Um, but, but yeah, the, as, uh, it's going to be interesting to see with Bamba, what the Lakers do for their backup center minutes, which was really a problem for them, uh, last year, uh, Thomas Bryant played well in some spots, but went to Denver and wasn't able to get off of the bench. Right. Uh, they brought in Damian Jones, my guy, and he was a disaster while he was with the Lakers. I think he played a little bit better elsewhere uh, in the league, but yeah, it was not good with the Lakers. Um, there are no real bigs in the Lakers' price range that can play next to AD that allow the Lakers to to really bulk up in ways that I would like to see them do more often, um, that, that being on the free agent market. So, um, you know, I know that there's some whispers out there that everybody is pretty high on Colin Castleton, but he's an undrafted free agent rookie, and, you know, you, you don't feel comfortable going into the season with him as your primary backup center. Um, and, and by the way, like there's, I think there's a, a, a worthwhile debate over whether the Lakers should try to find a starting center that, um, allows AD to take a little bit less wear and tear over the course of the season. Yeah. That's even me saying that. So, um, Beasley in terms of basketball, I'm not going to lose much sleep over. He is a really good shooter. Um, Though his numbers from deep have been in decline the last few seasons and, you know, fell off a cliff for the Lakers, especially in the playoffs. But uh, Bamba, I think that's a little bit more complicated. And, you know, if I had to choose one or the other that I would really like to see back, um, Bamba, the player, I would prefer to see back. Beasley, the contract, I would prefer to see back because you can sign him to like a six or seven million dollar deal 
that can be moved at the deadline. So, um, yeah, in terms of basketball, this doesn't really affect much, you know, rotation-wise, but there are some ramifications here that the Lakers are going to have to to address now with, you know, potentially less overall money to work with, depending on if they use um, any more money than the mini-med level or if they dip into their biannual exception. I also think, and I wouldn't be me if I didn't point this out, that it's worth noting that this is the cheapest path forward that the Lakers can take here. And one of my concerns, uh, basically since they let Caruso walk for tax purposes, at least in part for tax purposes, is Jeannie Buss's willingness to spend. And um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that she's probably not uh, weeping to find out that the Lakers are likely hard capped this season, um, coming off of a pretty uh, expensive stretch that they had while Russ was a Laker. So, um, like again, it, this isn't a criticism. This isn't. This is a concern uh, because you know I, I am always kind of wondering, and, and I'm sick of kind of wondering if the Lakers will ever spend, you know, up to the the second apron if if need be. Um, uh, that's something that I'm always going to be a little iffy about and, and seeing as again, the more money you spend offers the, the most margin for error, uh, then yeah, like that is, that is always going to be something I'm nervous about. Um, but the reason I say it isn't a criticism is because it would be an unfair criticism. Everybody in the league right now is shedding salary to avoid that second apron. Like it is the plague, like it is a hard cap as I've been saying all along. And, um, you know, I know that executives are reluctant to acknowledge that it's a hard cap publicly because um, the players union would have a real problem with that. But you've now seen Steve Ballmer cut costs. We've seen the Warriors cut costs. Uh, the the Bucks might lose Brooke Lopez in part because of costs. Um, you know, the only team that I, I can you know, kind of confidently say doesn't really care much about jumping over that, that second apron or remaining above that second apron for the foreseeable future is the Phoenix suns. And we'll see what the ramifications are for that. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I do think part of the story here, not the story, not the biggest part of the story, not, you know, nothing like that. A part of the story here is once again, the Lakers will be, um, not spending to the max that they possibly could or, you know, realistically could. So before, the uh, number that the Lakers were really trying to stay under was $182.5 million. That was the second apron, right? Now, um, if they use the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which they are going to use, um, they will be they will have to stay under the $172 million mark. That is the first tax apron, right? Um and, and uh, you know, there there are ways that they can do that, right? There's a lot of math that the Lakers, and, and I'm not going to go into the math because there is no more exciting audio than me doing math <laughs> for you guys. But um, there are pathways here where the Lakers are able to bring back Reeves. They're able to bring back Rui. They're able to bring back D'Lo. Maybe also able to bring back Lonnie. That one's a little unclear. That one's a little tougher. Um, use that non-taxpayer mid-level use the biannual exception and then fill out the rest of the roster either with veteran minimum contracts or with rookie deals and or 
uh, rookie deals because we know that they're going to keep Jalen uh, Hood Shafino, uh, that they're that they're going to keep Maxwell uh, Lewis, and um, and again a dark horse that I keep coming back to a player who they can keep for a little bit cheaper and give themselves a little bit more space under that first apron is uh, Colin Castleton. So um, yeah, uh, you know mathematically. This does allow them to continue to run it back with a couple of tweaks. We'll see what that looks like. Obviously, right now their focus is on Bruce Brown, but we've now we're now starting to see them attached to more names. Um, by the way, get ready for a lot more of that because the Lakers are going to be, you know, players in free agency more than it looked like they were going to be before. Um, so look for agents to start linking their their client to the Lakers as they always do when the Lakers have any money whatsoever to work with. Um, we've now seen that list expand from just Bruce Brown to they have some interest in Javon Carter. They have some art interest in Eric Gordon. They have some interest in, in, in here, there and everywhere. Now that um, agents get to use the Lakers as the, um, the bugaboo who could spoil any number of, of teams and clients um, intentions. So get ready for free agency. And everything that that involves, which is a lot less boring, I guess, than what the Lakers offseason was looking like before. My last point, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I know how much everybody loves this subject. But if we go back to after the Lakers, uh, you know, lost to the Phoenix Suns, they overreact and they choose when they didn't have to. They choose Taylor Horton Tucker over Alex Caruso. And again, they could have had both. It would have cost them money. Um, and unlike this CBA now wouldn't have cost them the ability to do a bunch of stuff at, at whatever cap level that they found themselves at. Um, but they, they, they kind of cheaped out. They made the wrong selection there and chose Taylor Horton Tucker, who then floundered for the Lakers to the extent where they had to dump him and Stanley Johnson. Um, now, you know, in fairness, Stanley hasn't really done anything in the league since, um, but they dumped him and Stanley Johnson for Patrick Beverly, who sucked, um, and watching him was not fun. So they turned Patrick Beverly and then a second-round pick for Mo Bamba, who played a little bit, not very inspiring, turned his ankle, and never played for the Lakers again, and was eventually waived. So they turned... Two rotation guards in uh, Alex Caruso and Taylor Horton Tucker into now nothing, nothing whatsoever. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, again, uh, it, this is different than than what I said about you know ownership and not spending and stuff like this. This is a criticism. That's bad asset management. Now we'll see what this looks like, right? If this decision with Bamba and this decision with Beasley allows that you know allows them to go out and get Bruce Brown or an impact-free agent, then the math on this changes a little bit. But for right now, as we're having this conversation right now, that is um, not a great sequence of events. All right, that is going to do it here for this breaking emergency episode of the Lakers Lowdown podcast again. And from here on out, voice uh, allowing, that is, uh, I am going to be hopping on here anytime we get big news. And this is big news. This does really indicate the way that the Lakers are going to be moving forward. So, um, you know, we'll see all of the ramifications to this and we'll see what the market looks like. And as that 
becomes to, you know, starts coming to fruition, I will explain it as best I can along the way. So until then, and until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying, make sure you check out all the stuff that we've done already. Jason Timpf was a blast. Jovan Buha had uh, great information. Uh, Aaron uh, came on and we did a two-parter that I wound up splitting up because the second parter um, explained exactly why this news right now is so important. So check that out on the feed as well. Um, And then, like I said, I will talk to you guys whenever it is that I talk to you.